Welcome to Chasing Possible, a podcast where I sit down with ReliQuest founder and CEO, Brian Murphy. And as we go through the story of ReliQuest history, each episode is designed to give you a look into the mindset we've relied on to make security possible. Now let's go get it. Hey, welcome back. And we're going to pick up this conversation right back in the middle of 2008. In last conversation, Murph discussed a lot of first here at ReliQuest, first customer, first interns, first career fair, and first onboarding. So let's jump right back into the second half of 2008. First, let's just talk about persistence, right? Like persistence on your end early on in in the 200, you know, cold calls a day trying to trying to get something going. The persistence of Elliot like not leaving you alone. Right. I mean, you're, you're busy making 200 calls a day. Right. I don't know if I have time to take this call. Right. Um, but his persistence. And then you think about Colin's persistence, right. And the grit to uh, take the bus, right. To do whatever it takes to, to, to come here and, and, and succeed, take the bus, but then, and then to make the calls still go in the class, like you get up early, make the calls, go to class, then come home, make the calls. I mean, like, like the theme that I keep just hearing it as you're kind of talking through this is, is, grit find a way to make it happen right um belief i mean you had to believe. i mean it's like there's a lot in there you had to believe yeah and i think about the the phone call right with 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 lauren um (laughs) i love that right i mean it just um it 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 reminds me I'll, i'll tell just a really quick story to tell you how dumb i am um when i first started playing baseball well, I was a senior draft pick, right? And it's like you don't you don't get an agent right out of the draft if you're drafted in the eleventh round and you're a senior, right? Because there's no negotiating. They're just going to yeah. go, "Here's what we're going to give you. If you don't want it, go go work." And I'm like, "Well, I'll I'll take it because I just want to play baseball, right?" So um, anyway, I say all that, and that so after my first season, everybody's getting like free shoes. Not everybody, but a lot of players that had agents were getting like free shoes, free gloves, all this kind of stuff. And I thought well, how do you get that? And they're like, well, my agent gets it from, you know, they have contracts with Rawlings and Wilson and whoever, Nike. And I said, okay, I want one of those. So in the off season, I called like Reebok. I just like found the number and just called and like, Hey, I'm Darren McMaines. You know, I play professional baseball and I'm going to need a contract with you. And the lady was like, this is like customer service. And I'm like, well, you need to connect me. Right. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) long story short, I didn't get any of the contracts. Right. But I think about like, Hey, this is what I want. I'm just going to go do it. Right. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know if there's much thought into other than just like, I'm going to make it happen. And just, I know once I get started, I'll, I'll find a way. So like, what do you see in, in others? Right. I mean, I mean, we're getting through now it looks like 2008, you have roughly seven people, including the interns, like, like what are you seeing in the types of personalities that you connect with and that, you know, you need to be around to, to have success and to bring your vision to life? Yeah. I mean, first, uh, there was no ego in that room. I mean, you know, I didn't have an ego now at the time, I don't tell the story, but the, the company that I left, even though I wasn't working in any kind of competing field, when I, when I resigned from that company back in 2007, um, you know, one of the owners, and it's, it's the reason we run the company the way we do today, just didn't behave in the right way. Cause I was 50% of the revenue and, and he, he was, his feelings were hurt. Essentially it was hurtful um, that I wanted to go and do something on my own. And the reality of it was those two owners, you know, one wanted to go into politics and he is now, and the other one wanted a lifestyle business. And, and I wasn't, I wasn't interested in that. So I told that story before, well, I was getting legal letters by this law firm every two days. I'd get this other threatening legal letter. It would go to the office 
it would go to Renee at the house and it's pure intimidation. Um, Mm. had I known then what I know now, um, you know, we've, you know, I've never been sued, knock on wood. We don't do anything, uh, like that. We, we've never sued anybody. Um, but some people use it and their whole goal was let's distract this kid. He'll burn through all his money and maybe he'll come crawling back or he'll have to go get another job. Right. And so, while all this is happening and you're down on the phone to, you know, 200 times a day, I'm having to go down the elevator and step out the front door and like talk to an attorney about how to respond to this letter. And so, you know, I, you really had to compartmentalize because, yeah. you know, those, those group of people, especially through the summer, you got seven people in there smiling and dialing and, you know, they've got to see belief in you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so it was, it was, it was a difficult time. And then I had to deal with the fact that Devin's now, you know, approaching three years old. Um, Renee is pregnant with Parker. So, mm-hmm. you know, Parker was born December 1st. So, you know, back that up, she's already pregnant by the time we're into the summer. Um, we had, uh, in a room that we hadn't built out in our house. And so I had to figure out how to get that done. Uh, and then our insurance was, really non-existence. Like I offered people insurance from day one, but it was really narrow, slim, kind of small business insurance. And if anybody knows how that works, it's just not great. You don't have a lot of options. So there was just a big target on my back, right? I had to produce, I had to sell. And we really started a grind. Like we sold this company and it'll remain nameless. I think they're still in business, but there was really small publicly traded business. And when it was a publicly traded company, I'm kind of a geek. So I'll pull down their, you know, their 10K and their 10Q and just make sure like they're a solvent business or whatever. You think that every publicly traded company is and they're not. And this is one of those examples where this company was always running out of cash. So when you're doing progress billings and you're getting paid as a project goes on, Mm -hmm. you know, we had sold this project. We had four consultants out there. As I said, I'm covering all that payroll. And so the way it would work is the mailbox was my friend. I mean, none of these were direct deposit checks. And so we had a UPS store over on South McDill that was pretty close to my house. And I would go every day, sometimes twice a day and see if we got any checks. And we only had like four customers because I knew that if we didn't get checks, right. So once we got into, you know, past that first $50,000, if, if we didn't have a check in the mailbox, I would cash advance a credit card, right? And so um, I cash advance a credit card. And then eventually before I got too far away from having a salary, I, we put second mortgages on our home and, uh, and that was another source of capital. And so I would kind of carry the float, you know, what's called the float at the time that I paid employee before I collected. And that's an important part of the story as we get later in the year. Um, but this business, man, they would... Uh, they would never pay us on time. So I, I had to, not only was I selling, not only was I managing these consultants, but I was calling into accounts payable and then my client contact. So I'd start calling at 30 days and then I'd call twice a week, making, just getting the timing of the check and when it was cut and all those things. And they would, they're supposed to pay us net 30. They were paying us net 60, net 90. That really impacts the business. And so we came through the summer and, uh, you got to remember what was going on in 2008. I mean, we, it was a boom economy, 2006, seven and eight, things were booming. You could get into a cab and the cab driver had rental properties and was buying an apartment. Like everyone owned real estate, especially Mm. in Florida. 
Um, and so they, there's that old saying is when, you know, you find someone that doesn't know very much about something and they're doing it full time. It may be the, the, the peak of the bubble. Right. So mm, I've never um, heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Makes sense there's an old joke in this for Uber, but when the full-time cab driver is giving you advice on rents and in, in Manhattan and, and how to renovate homes, um, that means that the entire construction industry is so busy. There's so much opportunity everywhere. I mean, that's how you get to um, the kind of too big to fail era that we were in. So yeah. started to hear a lot of news reports coming out of the summer in September, right? Colin had gone back to Florida State. He's cold calling. Most of the interns back to Florida State had hired two other full-timers that had graduated at the end of summer. There's probably eight of us now total. And um, and we're churning. I mean, we're on pace to do probably six, seven hundred grand in revenue the first year. I mean, we're wow. hammering it. Um, we come into September, and I'll never forget September 15, 2008, Bear Stearns. It was all over the news. This 100-year-old-plus financial institution that is like the pinnacle of stability in America fell because of all these real estate options they were holding and default credit. They defaulted on all their credit swaps. And this 100-plus-year financial institution went out of business, and all the banks, Merrill Lynch, had to be combined uh, with with Bank of America. I mean, all these things we forget. Yeah. Um, that whole too big to fail, but the market crashed on September 15, 2008. And over the next two weeks, um, I got, I you know, I'd call and do my receivable calls. And uh, we had about 300 grand outstanding AR, about 250 outstanding accounts receivable that was owed to us for work we've already done. Yeah. And one by one, I was told, hey, the project is canceled and we're not going to be able to pay you for the early phase of the project. We're publicly traded. Our stock is down. We're canceling all discretionary spending. So I'm on pace to have a six, seven hundred thousand dollar a year and just boom, all my cash. Now, I've been cash advancing credit cards and using wow. that to carry the float. So I've got all these high balances on credit cards. The market cratered. So the economy's terrible. Um, everybody's going out of business. I mean, for those of you that didn't work during this time, you know, we've only seen good times since then, uh, yeah. since we recovered from that. We've been on this run for 11 or 12 years. But, man, let me tell you, it was brutal. And uh, and so I've got Renee's pregnant. I've got eight employees. We've got all of our business dried up, except for that public company. Um that uh that barely paid us they just kept the project going they might they, they must have been so bad at operating that they didn't cut their <laughs> expenses um, yeah and so it got to a point where i was out of room on credit cards and no more second mortgage and uh so literally i'd have to the way adp worked at the time is i'd have to put my payroll deposit money for payroll in monday by 2 p.m and it would get paid out wednesday thursday similar to how we do it today at a much larger scale yeah. So, you know, Thursday, no check, Friday, no check, man, Saturday, Renee knew it was going to be a miserable weekend when I went to UPS store at noon on Saturday and no check. Um, and then I would just, a lot of times I just go sit in a room and stare. I mean, you feel like the biggest failure in the world and you just think about all the like worst possible scenarios. Right. Um, yeah. and then Monday, no check, you know, ADP would be calling, you know, hey, hey, I put it in, whatever, wrong bank account. Tuesday, the check would come, freedom, right? Yeah. And so that's much of what it was like from the fall of Bear Stearns um, through probably November of that year. And so um, 
what we weren't doing was I had this guy that I knew just a, I was actually, it was a friend of the ADP rep that set us up, um, knew kind of what was going on. He said, Hey, I got this guy in Atlanta. They work on defense contracts. You know, maybe you can help them. Do you know anything about that? Absolutely. Right. Again, I'd go back to, I'd build scarecrows for farmers and yeah. look, some people aren't going to like hearing that, that, that I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We can do that. When I, when I didn't know anything about, you know, clearances or anything about satellite engineering. And, and I know some listening are be like, oh, well, that's that's dishonest. And, and the one thing I'll say is every founder story has something like this. And I, I think to me, I've always said there's a thin line between being full of shit and being an entrepreneur. And that thin line's execution. Right. So if yeah. you know what you're willing to do, the order of how it happens, okay, well, I'm 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 willing to do whatever it takes. And you know, Chris and I worked day and night to understand this. We built a, a team of people that would go help support um, satellite uh, contracts and um, network engineering overseas. And uh, we called the client. Hey, we've got this team. They interviewed the team. We liked the team. Well, give me your cage code. Give me your contract number. Give me your clearance number. And I finally told the guy, hey, we don't, we don't have any of that. And he kind of laughed. He's like, I suspected that um, from the you know ferocious amount of notes you were taking. Um, when, when I was introducing this, so people aren't dumb. Right. And yeah. he's like, well, look, man, I respect what you're doing. You're shooting your shot. So here's what I'm going to do. And he worked out a way to pay us, um, a fee for finding him the people while he worked to get us a secret clearance and worked to get us a sub oh, wow. to a sub to a sub. And I'll tell you, DMAC, man, that person showing us grace early on. And that was in late November, early December, and we would work day and night building these teams and we'd be going against larger contracting firms. So it was snap satellite terminals, network engineering, and we would put satellite operators on those terminals and yeah. you'd get this jump ball. Like the government would say, here's 10 billets and the prime on the contractor would give it to their sub, which wasn't our customer and give it to their sub, which wasn't our customer and then give it to our customer who would give it to us. Now, everybody up that chain are trying to put people on those 10 people on the contract. So we had to be fast. We had to be intentional. We yeah. had to be creative. And, you know, Elliot, myself and a, and a couple others, we just grind. I mean, we'd work nights, weekends, end of the night. Cause a lot of times you're calling into getting a hold of people on Facebook that are in Iraq already on another contract and they're calling oh, you on a sat phone or calling you on. So it's all hours of the night that you're working and we got really, really good. And around this time, um, Parker's born. So Parker's born December one of, of 2008. And, uh, you know, I, I married an amazing woman, uh, that is just, she, you know, she's going through all this with me, right? I'm not the easiest yeah. person to be around because you're facing failure every day. Right. And, um, and yeah, so I remember, um, it's a funny story. I told Ellett and a couple of the others, like, whatever you do, don't call me today. Like Renee's being induced. Parker's going to be born. And that company that was hardly ever paying us. Some, one of the consultants had a problem and was upset and didn't want to go to work that day. And so Ellett's power calling me. I mean, Renee's like starting labor and I'm like, dude, I got to take this call and I won't tell you what she yelled at me. Um, and so I step out in the hallway and now it's like, I'm so sorry, man, this guy isn't going to show up. He isn't going to do the job. I'm like, I got it. Hung up with Ella. I called this guy 
and he must have heard the panic in my voice. I was just like, you get your ass in that building. You smile and you bang on that keyboard and I will call you later. I'm about three minutes from my son being born. And he's like, holy shit, holy shit. I'm so sorry. I'm going, I'm going my bad, <laughs> yeah. my bad. And it was, so he worked for us for a while. It was a pretty funny moment. And then I walked back in and Parker was born. I was there for a couple hours with Renee and Parker. And then I went back to the office. I mean, it was very 1950s, uh, you know, for different <laughs> reasons. Cause right, right. you know, we got a jump ball that morning and we needed to, I need to be able to pay those medical bills, need to be able to pay those hospital bills. Right. And so, yeah. um, so that was 2008, man. And we went into, um, you know, our second holiday party. Um, yeah. you know, Renee had Parker in December 1st and it was the first time she was going to have an alcoholic beverage, uh, you know, the week before Christmas. Sure. And, sure. Uh, Ellet being Ellet, uh, wanted to design the ReliQuest, uh, shot. So it was ReliQuest colors. And, uh, <laughs> and that, that was a long night, uh, yeah. for, for Renee after, uh, after, you know, nine months of, uh, of, uh, being pregnant. And so, you know, sure. we, what we were doing DMAC through all this is we we're just forming a really tight bond of people that you could look next to you and you knew they had your back. Like they knew, mm -hmm. you know, I knew if Elle was going to be calling me, it was real and I had to take it. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think there was a trust, but there was an energy. Like we were, we were beating giants in November and December on these contracts. Like we, we were doing things that other people weren't willing to do. That's where that saying comes from. Like mm. they weren't willing to talk to somebody at four o'clock in the morning and they weren't willing yeah. to reach out on Facebook and uh, arrange an international calling thing. We'd send international calling cards and stuff out, like whatever it would take. And, um, and so, you know, we ended our, our second year at about, you know, our first full year at about 400, 450 grand of revenue or 400 grand of revenue, maybe 350. Um, and we survived. Right. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. remember because it was a financial credit uh, crisis. I had a Chase credit card with thirty four thousand dollars on it at uh, 21 percent APR. I had I mean, I, I think just in credit cards, there's almost 200 grand. Um, so I think we were at that point, about 425 grand in total personal debt um, through, you know, two and a half years of work and startup, which, yeah. you know, but things were really starting to hum um, coming through, to, you know, at, towards the end of 2008. They weren't humming, but we were breathing. 